0: Welcome to week eight of our discussion of from Pesach to from consolation to redemption. And today, unsadly, we are going to take a darker turn. Until now, we've spoken about the issues of moving from Pesach to Shavuot, from the Omer to the Stehalechem, what the counting of the Omer means to Rasheba Alpeh, all sorts of those themes. And then we spent several weeks talking about the construct of an ideal Jewish polity and the institutions that are involved that show ways to produce a good Jewish nation with the value of that if we know what we're striving for, we can do better at getting there. So today we're going to talk about what is really another piece of a well-constructed Jewish nation, but from the other perspective, from when things start to go wrong. So today I want to talk about the mitzvah of the obligation for Jews to... so. The word "tochachah" is often translated as rebuke, but people hate the word "rebuke" because it has a connotation of of meanness and of uh, tension and of, of of one person lording it over the other. So, after a long time, I think a better word. I've searched for a better word. I think a better word is uh, remonstration. Even admonishment has a hierarchical element that I think people. Resent and resist. So let's stick with remonstration. So this halacha, this obligation of remonstration. And there are Talmudic sugyes about it, but I'm going to just take Rebbe as my model with a little piece at the end by Rebel Yashim. So the, the basics to know from before we talk to Rebbe or listen to Rebbe I should say, are that the Gemara says there's an obligation for sure of of remonstration. Some Gemara seem to think that it's remonstration until... The person that hits he hits the person giving the remonstration. Uh, we tend today in Shulchan Aruch to be more lenient than that about it, but it's this idea that if a Jew sees another Jew acting incorrectly, the Jew is supposed to raise that point with them so the Pasuk, the verse in Vayikra 1917 says to hate your fellow Jew in your heart we're supposed to remonstrate with them now in the verse it could have been read narrowly as about where a Jew has beef with another Jew, where there's something between them. But that's not the way it's taken in tradition. So Rabinionov comes back to this issue several times in his Shari Sharechuva Shari Tshuva is his you know, huge magnum opus, masterwork. And as we walk through the various ways that he discusses this obligation, I think we'll be enlightened about the relationship Jews are hoped to have with each other in terms of the observance of Torah, and that, and I bring it up here only as a way to hope that we'll get to it closer and closer to handling the world in a way that Hashem will see fit to give us back the full Jewish polity with the full Jewish state, with the Beit HaMikdash, with the king, with all the things that we hope for. And we'll get back to the situation like it was after we came out of Egypt and got into Eretz Israel. So, first. The structure of Sharet Chuvah. Share Chuvah is actually part of a larger work that Urbani Yona was writing called Sharei Tzedek. I think it was supposed to have ten sharem, and we only have the four sharem that we call Sharei Chuvah. The first of those sharem is directly about repentance and about the way what what the, the the pieces of repentance are. It's well known, I think, that Rambam had four ideas of repentance. There was the idea of recognizing that one had sinned, regretting that one, one sin, sinned, uh, intending not to sin for the future, take it upon myself, one not to sin for the future, and then saying vidui, and then articulating that sin, saying, yes, I know I recognize that I've sinned, whatever it is. Remediona has 20 steps to tshuva, and, and and so that itself is worthy of study, but that's a different topic than our topic that we've taken on today. But the 20th of those steps, which he lists in the first Sha'ar, the first gate of Shari Tshuva in paragraph 50, the 20th step he says is, rabim kasher yado. To help others avoid the sin to the extent of its abilities, as the verse in Yechezkel says, Shuvu mikol So Yon is reading that to mean, Shuvu, repent, and Hashivu, bring others to repentance, Mikol uh, Pishichem, from all of your sins. So he says he shows that that's part of the tshuva, meaning when Yechezkel is calling for Jews to repent, he throws in, bring others back, right? So Rabbi Yonah relates that to Lamandu He says we learn that if we haven't helped others or tried to show others where they're going wrong, we might, God forbid, uh, bear punishment for that. As David Amelok says in Psalm 51, which Rabbi Yonah calls the Mizmor HaTeshuvah, the psalm of repentance David is reflecting on his own sins. And he says there, in verse 15, I will teach sinners. And pushim are usually thought of as deliberate sinners, uh, your ways. And chataim, which is often thought of as, um, as uh, unwitting, mistaken, or weak sinners, they'll return to you. So the first interesting and important step that I would point out is here is that for Rebini Yonah in this passage, which again, I've said is remonstration. Others always said was admonishment or rebuke. For Rebini Yonah, it's about bringing the sinner to repentance, helping the sinner find his or her way away from their sins, to give up those sins and put them them out. So it's not about, you know, it's not about making sure they know anything. It's not about, preaching fire and brimstone to them. But it is about the idea that we bear a stake in others' religiosity and that we should be trying to help them find their way to the best religiosity. So today, if you think about, let's say, I don't know, NCSY or or whatever Kiruv organization, whatever uh, organization that tries to bring people closer to God, that, for Benyona, is certainly a form of tochacha as well. Later in Shari Chuva, in the third Shar, so, the third chapter of Chari Chuvah is so interesting as a part of a work on repentance because Rabbiniona says to know how to repent properly, one has to know the significance or the seriousness of one's sin. So, he goes through Halacha, not with every detail, but with every type of sin going up in severity. So, in the middle there, in chapter 70, in, in paragraph 72, he talks about Hokheiah Tokhi about this obligation. He says, He says the obligation of is for us to be sure not to have a part in the other person's sin, which we will have if we don't speak up about it. That's an idea that I think we in our individualistic world have forgotten. Meaning it's already interesting if the Torah tells us that you're so connected to your fellow Jews, that if you see them doing something wrong, you're obligated to try to bring it up to them. And remaining you know, on is clear in other places. They'll be obligated to bring it up to you when you've done something, or me, when I've done something wrong. It's not, it's not a one-way street. There's not, there's not a group of people who know better and a group of people who know less well. And it's always one way. It's uh, back and forth. It's as Jews work together and live together. They realize that they've done things right or wrong, then they tell each other about it. So it would be one thing if we said that. That would already be a more intertwined people than I think we are commonly used to. I think we're commonly used to the idea that let everybody live the way they want to live. And there, there are Jews who say that out loud. They'll say, just let other people live. But the, is saying, okay, I have to it clearly doesn't say that. Because if I see somebody doing something wrong, I'm supposed to say something to them. That's step one. But Rebidiona has gone a giant step further than that, because Rabbi Yonah has said, and he, I think he thinks this, is that he understands, because the end of the verse, I never got around to the end of the verse, the end of the verse says, and don't bear sin by virtue of not being the verse the, is, the, the Rabbi Yonah is saying that it's not just Others read it as don't bear sin in the way that you admi- ad- 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 rem- remonstrate with the person. Reniona is saying if the Jew fails to remonstrate, fails to do what he or she is required to do, they become part of the sin, they bear some responsibility for this sin. I think the idea being that if they try to remonstrate, there's a chance the other Jew, and we'll see Yosem at the end of this discussion, about the possibility that it's impossible, right? What happens if we know the person will listen? The owner is assuming that had we only spoken up, maybe the person wouldn't have sinned, and therefore, should the person sin anyway, it's partially on us. And he goes on to say, He says it's true not only of individuals, it's true of a community. If a community watches a Jew sin, and they don't do anything about it; they'll bear part of the part of the responsibility if they don't uh, admonish him and remonstrate with him for it. Shavit Musaram literally means like the stick of their discipline. But we see many many sources that say that there are different versions of discipline, different times. But and and it's a complicated question, right? If You have people. I remember a story. I'm trying to remember this story. Oh. There are various stories, I don't particularly want to mind. There are various stories of rabbis who have effectively and successfully brought people closer to God and closer to God's service and and around to much fuller religious observance by not bringing up things they were doing wrong at the time. So, how to apply this judiciously and well, that's a question of its own. But fundamentally, it is true that we bear responsibility to be laying out right and wrong. And when we see member, you see either friends, individuals, colleagues, contemporaries, loved, uh, loved ones. We're have to. we supposed to speak up effectively, which isn't always so simple. And as communities as well. Communities are required to set the standards of right and wrong and make clear what it is. And that's what goes on, Rabbi Yoda says, in the book of Yeshua, uh, when we talk about Achan. So Hashem says to Yahshua, I'm, I'm sorry, Yahshua says to the Jewish people at the end of his life, after the Jews conquered Yericho, and they were supposed to leave none, take none of it with them, they were supposed to leave it all, and Achan took some. So then, that's when the Jews had trouble at the eye because of that. And when Yeshua once reminds them, he says, "Remember that you're all responsible for each other, and what you do affects each other." Achan took from the spoils of war he was not supposed to take it from. And the entire Jewish people were blamed for it. And the verse Rabin Yonah says the verse says, at the end of Devarim says, be, be is the one who, who punishes and reacts to hidden sins and hidden crimes. But that which is open, that which is obvious, that's for all of us. Right? And then, uh, yeah. And he points out that in the book of Yonah, it seems like even non-Jewish nations knew that at least at some point, because uh because they when they're talking to Yona about trying to figure out who when they're talking about the 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 the, um, the the storm at sea that's threatening to capsize and drown and sink the ship that Yona is on so they say let's figure out who for whom this wrong is and they have the sense of that, that you're supposed to identify who is wrong and what's wrong and then react to it so Rabbi Yona is saying that's responsibility on jewish communities as well and that's the responsibility which is not such a simple thing to recognize. Again, I think there are lots of Jewish communities today where people uh, prefer that you don't pay so much attention. And when people do things in public that are wrong, many people are in favor of letting it go. And I think so. That's why I find this Rebidiona so significant, because it's a reminder that that's not the way to build a successful Jewish uh, community in the sense of fulfilling everything that God said. He goes on later on. So I said that this uh, sh'ar, this third sh'ar, is so interesting. One aspect of it is this, that much of the sh'ar, about two-thirds of this Sha'ar, is taken up with a review of the structure of Jewish law, such that we can be aware of which things are more important and less important, or, sorry, that's not correct, which things are punished more strict, stringently and punished less stringently, because there are many things that is relevant to one's tshuva, that is relevant to one's repentance. So that's why it's worth knowing. So he goes through and he, it's like a mini, it's not quite a safer mitzvot because he doesn't try to be comprehensive, but at each level of Jewish law, so let's say rabbinic law, obligations, different kinds of prohibitions, different kinds of death penalty prohibitions, at each level, he gives examples. So well, he doesn't cover all the mitzvot, he covers many, many mitzvot, which are not directly connected to tshuva, to repentance. It's just a, a way of showing how we react to sin. So if somebody violates a or rabbinic issue, that's an important thing to repent, but it's a different type of repentance. It involves a different level of, of sense of regret and a different level of the sense to of the need to rectify things than if, God forbid, somebody has violated a more serious prohibition. That's the structure of the beginning of sharei tshuva. And that would mean I don't know, I'm just thinking about the stuff because I've been doing some work recently on the, uh, Sarah de de on the Ten Commandments. And it's interesting to watch, unfortunately, people who violate those. And those are, you know, those are presumably somewhat more significant. They're punished significantly. And yet people don't always have the regret for it. So, is trying to help us in that way. So, that's the first part of the third child. The first two thirds of it, really. At the end of it, when he reaches the pinnacle, of the problem, of the most problematic forms of, so there's those people who lose their share of the world to come, there's those people who, right, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong. After all of that, he digresses, and he says, and this is in Shari Chuba at the end of the third chart, I think it starts at Kuf Pe Zion, 187. So he said, I'm sorry, in 172, 172, paragraph 172, he says, Be'ur divrei avonot arbakitot. So I'm going to explain to you the four groups. One of the four groups. There is a Gemara in Sotah on Membet Amunala, 42a, where the Gemara says, ein mekablot There are four types of people who will never merit greeting the divine. Now, formally, this isn't quite a punishment. But Rabinona's placing it here seems to suggest that he thinks it might be the highest form of punishment, meaning it's not a direct punishment in the sense that we're saying there's no world to come, but we're saying that they're denied uh, any kind of a direct experience of Hashem, that would seem to be a more significant thing. is gonna spend a lot of time on it because he's gonna take the four groups and he's gonna explain each of them fully. We will not do that today, but that's what he's doing there in that fourth, uh, in that last section of the the third shah. So who are the four groups? They're late zanim. so late Sanim, we're not going to talk about today, but us the people who take life not seriously enough who who think there's nothing important to do in life and it just sort of uh you just live and you don't worry about it. Kat Shakarim, liars, which we also won't have a lot of cause to discuss today, but is one of these groups that um that don't merit and i I guess I focus on it in our times because I think we live in times. I don't think we're the only ones by far. But I think we live in times when the value of truth and the importance of truth and the necessity of truth has been lost even in uh, very observant and very Torah-connected circles. That's kat shakarim. Then there's khanafim. Now, khanafim will be more of our topic. There's khanafim or people who do not, um, well, khanafim are people who flatter. That's the word in modern Hebrew as well. But the flattery here is a matter of Telling people they're good when they're not, so that's going to be the chanafim. we'll come back to them and those who are who bear wrong tales about people. so he says, divar, this is now in paragraph one eighty seven, what does it mean to be a khanaf, a flatterer as it were? he says there are nine kinds, so the that can be shown the first kind of these people are Asher o, o yada. I know that somebody else is doing something wrong or I know that my friend is telling is slandering other people speaking about them negatively he shouldn't or is teasing them mistreating them right um, and mistreating them uh, with words that's not we're not as very when we when we taunt somebody or we speak to them in a way that will cause them distress. And says, and the person, instead of saying, yeah, no, you should have done that, will say, no, you didn't do anything wrong. So that's the highest, that's the first form, that's the lowest form, I think, of Hanifah. I think it goes in, no, that's the highest form of khalifa. highest form of Hanifah is somebody does something wrong. Not only don't I remonstrate with them, but I tell them, you've done great, you're fine, you're good. So that's a big challenge in our times to my mind. It's a big, big challenge in our times, of especially because and sometimes it's a complicated calculus. And maybe I should and I want to be clear that I understand that. But, uh, you know, the, the, if you have people who we think we might be able to bring closer to God, if only we do this or this or this, that's a problem. Also, it's a problem when we're dealing with people who have goods, you know, cookies that we would like, who can give us, it's very often, there's a politician, but not only, who can give us things we would like, and we say, oh, you're so great, when they're not so great. This comes up periodically, you know, some charity organization will decide to honor somebody who's intermarried, let's say, and then there'll be a whole thing, oh, can you really honor them if they're intermarried? So these are where problems and challenges of Khanifa come into play. Right? That's what Vinayon is saying. But then, and by the way, Forget the fact, right? The, the starting point here is that the person isn't doing the mitzvah of There's an obligation to remonstrate. So this person, not only isn't this person remonstrating, and the verse says we must do it, he's adding to it, he's saying you haven't done anything wrong. That's a whole new level of wrong according to Rebidion. That's paragraph 187. In paragraph 196, where he's continuing in these categorizations of the fame, so now he's up to the seventh level. Which he and he goes uh, he goes from the top to the bottom, like most significant, most serious, most problematic to least. Haker gashvei in the Hanifim is a roean on am orif. Somebody's living in a certain place, and the people in that place are stiff-necked or stubborn. al person thinks, you know, maybe they won't listen. I don't know that they'll listen if I speak up. And therefore, he doesn't speak up. Reniona says, that person sins as well. It counts as a chaneik. Now, notice, the chaneifah here is not that he says anything good to them about what they're doing. He sort of just ignores what they're doing. And and the person who's ignoring, he or she, the ignorer, is doing it only because the ignorer thinks that speaking up won't be effective in any way. Riniona says, the person didn't try. Maybe if he had tried... They would have listened, and and he points out the Gemara in Shabbat Nun fifty five a says that Yeheskel in chapter nine was told to put a certain mark on certain people, and the Gemara there assumes that it was the mark is going on good people who should have uh, remonstrated with the people of their time, and in the Gemara, the Gemara presents God is saying, but I know the people wouldn't have listened, and the vidatadin Adin says, and the act justice says. But they didn't know that. Right? They should have tried. So, and that's th- and that's accepted as being as being uh, as being correct, right? These are tzedeki, and these are righteous people, and they get and they get punished for not having spoken up because of So that's what Riniyona says. So that's a, a new step and a new standard. You have to always try. But he says, however, it is clear to everybody that the sinner or the community of sinners hate being told they're doing wrong and they won't listen. So there, Ben Yonah agrees, there's a verse in Mishnah that is accepted, al-tochach leit Don't you're not supposed to remonstrate with a late, We're with a person who will uh, react badly because that person will then hate you. And the Gemara Yivamot on 65b says, the same way that it's an obligation, it's a mitzvah, to speak up when people might listen, so, too, it's a bit not to speak up, people might not listen, will not listen. That's another step. And also, you're going to on that on Bates on page 30 of Lamid says that, and it says it other places as well, there are cases where if people don't know they're doing something wrong, better to leave them alone because the thing that they're doing wrong, they won't know about. They'll be doing it unwittingly. But it's the kind of thing they're not going to give up anyway that when you speak up about it, now they're doing it knowingly, and, and, and therefore pro, even more problematically. So Beniona is pointing out that while he has a strong commitment to Tochacha, it's an extremely difficult calculus. Diff, diff, it's extremely difficult to figure out when to speak up and not. If I know that people will listen to me, I need to speak up. If I absolutely know that there's no chance that, people, that the person will listen to me, then there's room for me not to speak up. If I know that the person will listen to me and will continue sinning, and therefore I'll be putting them in the position where they're now sinning knowingly instead of unknowingly, shouldn't speak up, right? What if, and I once asked this to somebody who said it's a good question he has no idea what the answer, what if I'm going to speak to a community and I think that 30% of the community has a good chance of listening to me and changing their ways? And 70% will not. Hard question. I don't think the numbers are clear at all. I think there's room in those situations to think that you probably should speak up. So, and, 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 as we had said earlier, there's also times when you speak up, not in terms of thinking that you're going to have other people change, but in terms of just maintaining our awareness of the right and wrong of the situation and what the standard and what the ideal is. That's another thing, right? So... So let's say if you're talking to a community of people who are not, sadly, shomrei Shabbat, I think you periodically want to mention the value and the importance of Shabbat, that they not get lost. But what we have here is Ramban he is putting by putting it in the context of Chanafim, Ramban is pointing out to us a what danger we run if we don't speak up, but also our larger topic. When we think about how we can get back to a Jewish society. Who Hashem giving us the full Jewish society. We have to get to a place where we as a society have a meaningful place for this mitzvotokha. You know, it's harder to imagine uh, Hashem giving us a full Jewish society where nobody can speak to anybody else about things they're doing wrong and wrongs just simply get unaddressed. So knowing the mitzvotokha, we can start with ourselves. We can start with working hard to be the kinds of people who if somebody points out to us accurately and well, something we're doing wrong, we'll try to stop doing that. So then, uh, Later on, even later on, when we're talking about lashon hara, right now we about Rachil, somebody who spreads tales about other people. Right? that's another example of where tochecha could come in place. Right? so the Gemara and Erichin now says, I'm be tarifon. I don't know. Tamani, I'd be shocked. Somebody who would be willing to accept tochecha, right? You know, because he'll say, "Oh, who are you to give to remonstrate with me?" Rabbi ben Hazaria says, "Okay, maybe, but I don't know if there's anybody in this generation who knows how to administer it properly." And Rabbi Yochan Ben Nuri says, "Rabbi Yochan Ben Nuri says, you know what? I know a time when there were the, the mighty walked the earth. Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri says, I want you to know that many times Rabbi Akiva was punished by our Rebbe because of me. I would tell Rabbi Gamliel something Rabbi Akiva done wrong. Rabbi Akiva would get punished by Rabbi Gamliel. And Rabbi Yochanan Ben Nuri says." Uh, and he says he the kosh again shows safti bo ahava that Rabbi Akiva loved me for it because it helped him get better. And that fulfilled the verse. Don't try remonstrating with leitzim, Instead do it with wise people because they will love you. Right? So that's uh, that's another piece of the puzzle that we should ideally be striving to develop in ourselves and in our communities the openness toqakha, because after all, toqha is really about helping us be better. So Rabbi Lozman Azaria points out to us there's not easy way it's not easy to know how to do it. So that's a challenge. We have to make sure we know how to do it. But we should be trying to get to the place where we A know how to do it, B are willing to accept it, and then we get to a different kind of a world. We get to a world where we can all be Rabbi Akivas. In some contexts we all know that people would like to get better and then people are happy to have to be told to them, right? But unfortunately not always in Torah and an observance. So uh, in Erechim there, says, I don't understand something, though. Think about all the Gemaras that we've quoted. Yvonne says, it's a mitzvah to not speak up when they're not going to listen. And we have this verse of leit. Right? So how could it be right? Though there's been a debate about uh, if you know the person won't listen, you speak up anyway. It's it's a it's a, it's in Aruch. The Ramah talks about it. The Ramah takes. I think the opinion that you should speak up anyway. And others say you shouldn't. of says The people who say there's no mitzvah, they'll say really that it's worse because. You're going to cause the person to hate you. So you think that you are helping them. Not only aren't you helping them and that they're not going to listen, and therefore they're not going to be helped, it's going to be worse because they're going to now add an Avera. That's by the way, is what Shlomo had said about why, that's the re- reason he gave for why it's okay to give food to a fellow Jew, if he asked for it, who's not going to make a bracha. Because he says, by not giving the food, it's true, maybe you're not stopping him from not making a bracha, but you're going to cause them to hate you, which is what much worse It So here too. Rabbi brings that up. So Rabbi Yosha says that he thinks, though, the people who say you have to speak up anyway, they'll say there's a, an obligation. How can you not speak up with the obligation? And, but according to them, what about the verse that says, don't, I'll talk up late. So he says, I think you have to say that even according to them, the obligation is to do one time, try it out. And, and the whole idea of you have to do it a hundred times. As I mentioned earlier, the idea that maybe you have to do it to the point they hit you, that's only when we think there's still a chance they might listen, but we know that they won't listen, then we don't have to speak up. And he closes with, That's when it's an obligation not to speak up when there's when they're not going to listen, and that's what he says. So you end up with this idea that Tuchuch is a mitzvah, it's absolutely a mitzvah, but it's mitzvah with many, many caveats to it, with many loopholes in it, many ways out of it, if necessary. The piece of it that I would add, though, is that every time we find a way out of it, we are not mochiach or others are not mochiach us, others don't remonstrate with us because they know that we won't listen, we lose an opportunity to improve. And the, to get to the ideal Jewish polity that will involve the consolation from the state of, of still, of destruction which we're in, we have no way we have no king, we have no this, we have no that. To get there, we have to, we would hope for, I would hope for, and I think we should all hope for, us Jewish society which we're able to and willing to remonstrate with the others, others remonstrate with us, and take it and learn from it in the best possible way. Let me just close. I once was supposed to speak in a shul give a dvar halacha, a, a Torah thought after a certain minyan. And It was late day or whatever it was, and people were rushing. And I realized they had no interest in what I was going to say, no matter what I would say. So I just got up and I said the same way that it's a mitzvah. They see something and people are going to listen. It's a mitzvah not to speak if people won't listen. So there was a guy there, I still remember who he was, there was a guy there who was so taken with this. But there was a guy who had no interest in actual Torah. And so it was sort of, uh, it was ironic that, you know, when you free people of Torah, and free people of hearing the Torah that they need to hear, some people celebrate that. And the Gemara's point, the Halakha's point is, it's not to be celebrated. It's a time when we find ourselves unable to fulfill a value. So we can hope, as we hope to move closer and closer to consolation, that we can live in a world where we can all understand this value and accept this value and live in a world where we can be the recipients of Torah as well as, if necessary, the uh, the givers of Torah in ways that will produce the productive, that will only be productive and bring us closer to our Creator. That's been our discussion for today. Next week, we'll start with the Haftarot of Consolation to try to figure out what they tell us about, well, really the Haftarot, the, 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 the first we'll start with the fast days, what they tell us about how destruction came and then we'll move on to Consolation and how we get back to it. Thank you very much. Have a great uh, week.